0: radio Radio.
1: we Americans are under attack by our own government we the people have no choice but to once again defend our freedom this has all happened before and we can learn much from the American Revolution starting in 1763 to pay for debts incurred from a war with France the British began enforcing new taxes on the American colonies. In response to this, the colonies set up their own parallel government based on a simple structure of three committees delegated to voice the will of the people. A committee of correspondence to disseminate information. A committee of inspection to enforce Continental Congress decisions. And the most important of the three, a committee of safety to act as general executive in the absence of legal authority. These committees stemmed from each community of all the colonies. And each and every local committee of safety had two missions to provide military support and monitor political affairs. Each community delegated its own representatives to speak on their behalf at the county level and then at the state level, where state legislatures are thereby formed and senators are elected to represent the overall interests of the people in that state. With these committees, the 13 colonies honorably created a parallel government that lawfully nullified British rule. This compelled the Crown to take it back by force, which was met by an honorable and lawful defense of the colonies, known as the American Revolution. The three-committee structure that made up this parallel government inspired our U.S. Constitution, a concept of government based upon delegation. Individuals were not elected to rule. Their only purpose was to facilitate and implement the will of the people. It was a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Each state was considered to be its own country which was freely subordinating aspects of its own authority to a federal government. Lawfully speaking, this has never changed, but the federal government of the United States has become bloated with loyalists to the City of London and enemies of We the People. For well over a century, We the People have been coerced into becoming voluntary slaves to a multinational corporate power structure which has increasingly dumbed us down more and more with each generation unconstitutional amendments have been enacted constitutional limits of representation have been ignored and by accepting federal reserve banknotes we have made ourselves a dishonorable nation of debtors By continually contracting with the corporate US being operated out of the Washington DC city state, Americans are perpetually surrendering their constitutional sovereignty in return for corporate benefits. We share a common enemy with our founding fathers. Today, we call them globalists. Back then, they called them British. A foreign power exploiting the will and destiny of Americans. And back then, their remedy was the Committee of Safety. This is happening again today. Communities are forming their own committees of safety. An excellent example is Santa Rosa County, Florida, where the Recall Florida movement sprang from, which seeks to empower the citizens of Florida with the ability to recall county commissioners for corruption, malfeasance, and neglect of duty. The county sheriff is charged with upholding the supreme law of the Constitution. And with your county government in line with your county sheriff, citizens of that county will have the lawful parallel government they need to liberate themselves from contracts made with the corporate U.S. Because the powers held by the sheriff supersede those of any government official when in the jurisdiction of that county. The PSYOP today is meant to make you feel dependent upon the federal government. But that has always been your choice. And it's not the only choice. You can contact your local sheriff and ask him about his oath to uphold the Constitution. You can form committees of safety. And you can lawfully purge your local government of corruption. But it requires action and time is quickly running out. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese.
2: It's Thursday, March 2nd, year of our Lord, 2023. And... You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, good morning, ladies and
3: gentlemen. Welcome to The American Journal. We are coming to you live from the InfoWars headquarters here in Austin, Texas. I I almost totally forgot today. With all of the news that we have to cover, I almost forgot. It's Texas Independence Day. March second, Very important day. We have a lot to talk about today, although we will be welcoming two guests to the show today. We'll be uh, joined by Andrew McCarthy at 9 o'clock and Dale Comstock at 10 o'clock. So probably not going to have time for calls because we have a lot to cover still. Not a lot of videos to show today. I downloaded a lot of videos, but maybe other people are experiencing this. I don't, I don't want to watch any of the videos. I don't want to show you any of the videos that were... On my Twitter feed for the last two days. It's just, it's nothing but horror. It's like literally all of the videos that I saw today were either like black guys beating up white women or like naked men dancing for babies. It's just like, okay. Alright, that's right—that's—that's what's happening around the country today, I guess. But we do have some other videos that we'll show you. No, no nudity or violence in these, just an overbearing uh, tyranny targeting Christians for their beliefs. Yeah, we'll get into all of it and more uh, on today's program. So let's just get into it, shall we? Here it is, your Daily Dispatch. <laughs> all right, here it is, folks, your Daily Dispatch for Thursday, the 2nd of March, 2023. Texas Republican wants tax breaks for having more kids, but only if you're in an opposite-sex marriage. The bigot. If you've got lots of kids or want them, Representative Brian Slayton wants to give you a break. The Royce City Republican is pitching a measure that would slash property taxes for families with four or more children. Families with a quartet of kids would get a 40% cut. You got 10 kids, no property taxes at all. Married people would catch a deal too with a 10% tax trim, even if they don't have kids. But there are caveats. The married couple must be a man and a woman. There's no requirement on how long they have to have been married they cannot have been divorced quote with this bill texas will start saying to couples get married stay married and be fruitful and multiply Uh, slayton of royce city said in a statement the text would reimburse the local taxing agencies strong families are a backbone and building block of society and families need financial support to make that happen he said the bill has no co-authors or companion bills backed by their legislators which signals the chances of passage are slim this year Uh, the question is why not though But why wouldn't you want this? Why wouldn't you want to support families with kids? Why would you not want to make it easier for families with kids to survive and thrive, especially in this economic uh, landscape? Why would you oppose this? What is what is your problem? I guess my question is sort of that'll be the question of the day. What's what's going on with these people? What is their problem? What is their problem? I I really don't understand uh, how we've gone so far. I mean, you think about the left just in a whole host of issues. I know it's kind of a regular talking point, but it's so true. It really is so true. I am essentially, well, not really, but I fit in a lot more with like 2010 Obama Democrats than anybody else these days. Like there used to be a time when abortions were uh, safe legal but rare and family values were still something that liberals at least you know paid lip service to and there was still a large anti-war contingent in them uh, liberals though. They've just been decimated. They're anti-family openly at this point. They're pro-war they're pro-racism. It's just like, what is? what have they done to you people? It's very sad. It's very sad what they've uh, done to you all. And they've done it with your cooperation, which is the strangest part. And we'll get into some of that a little bit later as well. I really don't want to play the videos, but I will if I have to. But moving on. Uh, Blinken met with Russian foreign minister for the first time since Ukraine war began. The U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, met with Russian foreign minister Sergey Lavrov on Thursday for the first time since the war in Ukraine began more than a year ago. The brief meeting on the sidelines of the G20 foreign ministers meeting in New Delhi becomes a mid – Some of the most heightened tension between Washington and Moscow in decades. According to a State Department official traveling with Blinken, those two spoke for roughly 10 minutes. In the conversation, uh, Blinken called on Russia to release wrongfully attained American Paul Whelan and resume engagement with the new START treaty, the nuclear arms control agreement, which Putin suspended uh, Russia's participation in. Blinken also underscored U.S. support for Ukraine, according to the U.S. official. Blinken approached Lavrov on the sidelines of the meeting, according to both the State Department and the Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs person Maria uh, Zarkova. Last time Blinken and Lavrov met in person was in Geneva last January, just weeks before Russia invaded Ukraine last February. Uh, No talk of peace, obviously. (laughs) Obviously, no talk of peace. No talk of how we end this uh, monumental mistake. That's happening in Ukraine, but that's fine. It's pretty amazing to be in de facto war with another country and have no communication with them for an entire year of the war. because they don't want the war to end meanwhile you have this pennsylvania man arrested after allegedly trying to bring uh, explosives in his suitcase on a flight federal agents arrested a pennsylvania man this week after allegedly tried to bring explosives in his suitcase on a flight from lehigh valley international airport to florida according to court documents an alarm alerted the uh, baggage belonging to mark muffley uh, and it contained explosives transportation secretary administration uh, security administration agents paged Muffley over the airport intercom system and asked him to report to the airport security desk, prosecutors said. But he didn't show up. Soon after, security cameras allegedly caught Muffly leaving the airport. He checked his luggage on flight 201 bound for Orlando Sanford International Airport, according to court documents. The FBI contacted the Carbon County chief detective who said he knew Muffley personally, according to court documents, and confirmed that Muffley's a- uh, address the one, matched the one on his driver's license. We can get into this later, but uh, what do we think it is? What, what, what are we putting our money on this time? FBI false flag? <laughs> uh, just one big mistake, or or is it that after 20 years of abusing and fondling the American people, they finally caught one? They finally got somebody? Or is the TSA finally, after two decades of making air travel Nightmarish. Have they finally caught a single person? Could be. Of course, uh, it was also commercial-grade fireworks, so it could have been not a bomb but just uh, an idiot trying to bring fireworks on a plane. We don't know, but we'll figure it out. Uh, meanwhile, rewarding raucous NYC provocateurs with $6 million in taxpayer money is insanity. That's the headline from New York Post. They advertised the protest with FTP, F the police, and put it out on social media with a statement, We're talking about a revolution. Gosh darn it. It was scheduled for June 4th, 2020 at 6.30 p.m. in Mott Haven, the Bronx. That itself was a provocation close to the 8 p.m. curfew the city had instituted for a week after – or after a week of protest for looting following the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Now you, the taxpayers, will be giving these radicals $6 million. This is the madness of our lawsuit-obsessed narcissistic society that a group of people who took to the streets to provoke the police are being paid because they broke, they provoked the police. Media coverage of the Mott Haven arrest show officers swinging batons and binding protesters with zip ties. The lawyers are happy for the propaganda, but the pictures miss the context of the evening. It had been a week of protests and marches, which tied up the city and allowed cover for criminals intent on vandalizing and looting. Even progressive then-Mayor Bill de Blasio had enough and introduced a curfew. For the first two nights, the rule was widely ignored, especially by left-wing politicians who, rather than called for calm, riled up the crowd. Police vehicles were burned. A couple of lawyers were caught with Molotov cocktails. Cops were spat on and slurred as pigs. The Mott Haven protest overtly called for violence with its flaming van. But the NYPD heard other quiet rumblings of anarchy as well. Uh, So they're arrested. Now they're being paid $6 million in uh, tax money. we'll, We'll get into that a little bit later as well. Uh, finally we have this Swiss families facing eviction from private residents as state governments struggle to fill refugee distribution quotas you love to be one of these people it's like the great replacement is a conspiracy theory it's a lie but uh, actually you are being evicted for a migrant to come in a uh, good luck finding a home elsewhere
0: <laughs> there is a war for the future happening right now there is a war that will control my destiny your destiny Our children's destinies and that war is something that we can win, but it takes dedication, it takes commitment. That's why I ask listeners respectfully to go to InfoWarstore.com and buy great products that will enrich and empower your life while keeping us on air at the very same time. Infowarstore.com to get a signed or unsigned copy of my book, The Great Reset in the War for the World. Ultimate Bone Broth, back in stock. Nitric Boost, uh, the amazing CBD oil we have that's the highest quality you're going to find anywhere at more than half off. It's all available at Infowarstore.com. Some of the very best products. And a lot of you have never shopped at Infowarstore. You've been watching for years, you've been listening for years, but you've never taken the step to go to Infowarstore. These are great products that really work and are amazing. Plus, they keep us on air. So, again, please take action. Go to InfoWarStore.com today, and I thank you. I've got some good news. Our high quality supplements really work, and we have about an 80% reorder rate with customers. That's the good news. They're amazing. The bad news is around 1% or a little less of our actual viewers and listeners ever go to InfoWarStore.com and ever actually buy the products. So you're missing out on these products, plus it funds the info war. Think of what we've done with just 1% of our massive audience actually buying products. Think what would happen if those of you on the fence Actually, went to InfowarStore.com and got some of these amazing products. I would recommend turmeric 95 for your joints, your bones, inflammation to get one of the biggest effects so you reorder it and see how great it is. Also, we've got the super high quality full spectrum CBD oil that's so good for your neurological systems, your brain, your joints, your bones as well. Or Real Red Pill Plus. Just go try the product, fund the Infowar, and help us defeat the new order together. Infowarstore.com.
2: Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
4: Brave New World with uh, another parable which was put forth more recently uh, in uh, George Orwell's book 1984. I'm inclined to think that. uh, the scientific dictatorships of the future, and I think there are going to be scientific dictatorships in many parts of the world, will be probably a good deal nearer to the Brave New World pattern uh, than to the uh, 1984 pattern. They will be a good deal nearer, not because of any humanitarian qualms in the scientific dictators, but simply because the Brave New World pattern is probably a good deal more efficient than the other. But if you can uh, get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, the state of servitude, the state of being, well, it seems to me that the the nature of the ultimate revolution with which we are now faced is precisely this, uh, that we are in process of developing a whole series of techniques which uh, will enable the controlling oligarchy who have always existed and presumably always will exist, uh, to get people actually to love their servitude. Uh, People can be made to enjoy a state of affairs which, by any decent standard, they ought not to enjoy. And uh, these uh, methods, I, I think, are a real refinement on the older methods of terror, because they combine methods of terror with methods of acceptance. But then there are various other methods which one can think of. There is, for example, the pharmacological method. This this was one of the things I, I talked about in Brave New World. And the result would be that, I mean, you can imagine a euphoric which would make people thoroughly happy even in the most abominable circumstances I mean these things are possible
3: not just possible but imminent it has arrived it is here the scientific dictatorship of the future welcome back folks this is the American Journal Infowars.com You know, I was reading a book to my son yesterday, uh, Richard Scarry. I don't know if uh, people are familiar with him. Uh, He's been popular for a long time. The book I was reading was uh, the best little word book ever. If, If anybody's not familiar with Richard Scarry, it's just, it's like this most simple and beautiful books ever. They're just like little cartoon books that just help kids understand the world around them, identify, you know, what's going on. I don't know, we can go to my uh, uh, computer screen here and just see sort of what these look like. And I got this like horrible sinking feeling when I was uh, reading this book uh, that this isn't the world anymore. Like it's very weird Uh, because the things that you see in the book are not particular necessarily to one time or place. It's just – It's just that the world's not the same anymore. And it's it's quickly becoming something entirely different. Right. So in this book in particular, the one I was reading was the the best best little word book ever. You know, showing just teaching kids about like you know, what they see when they go down the street. Here's a post office. Here's what happens there. Here's a supermarket, here's what happens there. And it's just like, these these things don't exist anymore, right? It would just be like, butcher! And it just shows, like, here are his knives, and here are the different types of meat that he sells, and here's the fruit salesman, with all the various types of fruits. Each one's nicely labeled to teach little kids about it. And it's just like, just imagining Richard's scary books in the future, right? It's not, here's the corner store. Here's the, the nice, lovely little corner store where you can buy everything. It'll just be like, here's the supercenter warehouse where the drone-like automatons wander in and out collecting packages you can't see what's in them to deliver them and being yelled at by a computer while they do it here's the police department it's not a nice guy in a in a blue uniform looking after one another it's a it's a militarized fort with soldiers there to you know, kill you if you get out of line. And again, you know, I was, I was reading this thing, and it's it's so simple, and there's there's just this beauty in it, in the simplicity of all of it. And even though they, it is sort of distinctly American, you could have probably taken a book like that back to, I don't know, England, France in the 1600s. It would still look roughly the same, right? You still had the butchers and the bakers and the candlestick makers. You still had the the town guard— that you'd want to identify. So it's not just that, like, things are changing. It's like, you're just scared of change. It's just that humanity is moving away from humanity. Humanity is moving away from what is natural and has been our lives forever into something that is unrecognizable, dystopian, unhuman, bizarre, horrifying, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, yeah just any any picture from the last couple of years would be fine, right? And you could see the you could see the little the the cartoonish interpretation of it. It's just you know, you, you never see a drag queen story hour in a Richard Scary book. This is the transgender clinic where young boys go in to get castrated and come out a lady. Yeah, these are some of the videos that have come out recently. these are babies. This is an organization that has naked men dance for babies. You know, like is there anything I need to add to what we're seeing here? That you literally have full-grown men in nothing but a G-string doing the splits in front of literal babies. Do I need to explain this? <laughs> like I think I'm the one that's owed an explanation actually how would you possibly justify this well actually Harrison uh they are looking at changing
1: the uh, minds of the future mm. uh, by targeting them early right if they can expose them to this early then they'll be desensitized to it and uh, they won't be hateful
3: towards it oh, right <laughs> right you gotta it's it's about stopping hate against the uh the what did male stripper demographic
0: actually
1: Harrison that's the LGBTQ community at large yeah
3: there's like how dare you lump us in with pedophiles but anyway I am attending a strip show for children later today and you know I'm, I'm sort of torn in other ways too because I'll say this. You look at things like Jeffrey Epstein or, you know, like pedophile rings and a lot of, you know, a lot of people were like, well, we would know about it. We would know about it because you can't have like a satanic pedophile ring operating. People would people would know. Right. Not if the parents of the children are the ones supplying the kids. Right. So here you have kids being brought by their parents to watch a strip show. it's just like, what is there to even say that I'm allowed to say on, on air? Like, what is there to say about this that, you know, wouldn't get me arrested?
0: I've got some good news. Our high quality supplements really work. And we have about an 80% reorder rate with customers. That's the good news. They're amazing. The bad news is around 1% or a little less of our actual viewers and listeners ever go to infoWarsStore.com and ever actually buy the products. So you're missing out on these products, plus it funds the info war. Think of what we've done with just 1% of our massive audience actually buying products. Think what would happen if those of you on the fence actually went to infowarstore.com and got some of these amazing products. I would recommend turmeric 95 for your joints, your bones, inflammation to get one of the biggest effects so you reorder it and see how great it is. Also, we've got the super high quality, full spectrum CBD oil that's so good for your neurological systems, your brain, your joints, your bones as well. Or Real Red Pill Plus. Just go try the product, fund the InfoWar, and help us defeat the new order together. Infowarstore.com. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today.
5: You're
2: listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, welcome
3: back, folks. Just. Today was kind of a slow news day, which <laughs> is saying something because I still have like a hundred stories. Still, kind of, kind of, a sl- kind of a slow news day today. Just, a, just a lot of moderately insane things rather than one big one. I guess that's the uh, the issue today. Although it was revealed yesterday that the UK government considered whether it might have to ask people to exterminate all pet cats. During the early days of the COVID pandemic, a former health minister said. It was unclear whether domestic cats could transmit coronavirus, James Bethel said. He told Channel 4 News, what we shouldn't forget is how how little we understood about this disease. There was a moment we were very unclear about whether domestic pets could transmit the disease. In fact, there was an idea at one moment that we might have to ask the public to exterminate all the cats in Britain. Can you imagine what would have happened if we had wanted to do that? It's like such a weird thing to say. Can you imagine what would have happened if we had wanted to do that? It's like, but you did want to do that? But you're saying you did want to do that. (laughs) Just what? In July 2020, at the height of COVID crisis, cat owners were warned not to kiss their pets after a female Siamese became the first known animal in the UK to catch the disease. Margaret Hosey, a professor of comparative virology at Glasgow University who led the screening program, advised cat owners at the time to observe very careful hygiene comes as lord bethel's boss at the time matt hancock the former health secretary is facing a series of claim in a leaked clash cache of more than 100,000 whatsapp messages the messages provide an insight into the way the uk government operated at the start of the pandemic they include suggestions that hancock rejected the advice of england's chief medical officer professor sir chris Whitty, to test everyone going into care homes in england for covid hancock vehemently denies overruling clinical device the spokesperson called the claim categorically untrue course, it was true. And of, and of course, the same thing happened um, here in America. Not only did people not be screened for the disease before going into care homes, nursing homes, old folks homes, uh, but actually infected people were sent specifically to nursing homes and it resulted in tens of thousands of people dying. Um, this, of course, was not the reason that the governor of New York was ousted from office. No, that was because he, he flirted with an underling. So See where the priorities lie for our media and uh, the powers that be. Kill 10,000 grandmothers and grandfathers? No problem. No problem here. Uh, Get get a little too Italian with your intern? You're out, mister. Pretty amazing. But of course, this was obviously the same sort of idea that actually did get implemented – uh, whether it's killing cats or the social distancing rule or lockdown or masks you know none of it none of it was a matter of like them making a pro and con list of like how much will this you know negatively affect people versus how much will it save people from the disease that wasn't the list they were making what they were trying to decide was how much will people put up with how much will people put up with without pushing back and what can we do that will encourage the illusion of danger and fear to give us justification for doing even more stuff later, right? And they weren't exactly shy about this. There are videos of the people in charge talking about how masks have a psychological effect that was more important than the actual physical effect of stopping the disease. It was all about psychology. This was all very carefully Tuned in psychological levers being pulled. And so at this point, what was being discussed was not whether the cats were spreading the disease and if, you know, the spread of the disease caused by cats was, you know, worse than the effect of culling the cat. It had nothing to do with the spread of disease. It had to do with the calculus of uh, group and crowd psychology that asked whether killing all of the cats in Britain would send the right message and make people go oh my god this really is serious after all i killed my cat for this so uh, you know how can i how can i stop now right get people really involved in the scam by getting them to sacrifice something that they personally loved and again just in an in an overt like well this has to be serious they killed all of the cats right would that psychological effect of having your cat murdered uh, effectively you know, force you more into the cult, or would it be too far beyond? Would it be over the line and, and beyond the pale, and actually make people, you know, fight back and go, "All right, I'll wear a mask. I'm not about to kill my cat, you psychopath." And that what they decided was that it would probably be a little bit too much. People in the UK, you know, are actually famous for like animal rights, like <laughs> one of the first countries in the world to actually consider abuse of animals to be a crime, like things like that. They actually love their uh, their cats and their animals and um, so they just they figured out on the in the spectrum of psychological pressure this would have been too much it would have pushed people over the edge and they may have started questioning other things. It would have outweighed the positive benefit they would have gotten from the uh, you know psychological adherence of making a live animal sacrifice uh, of something you love for them so that's that's what was happening. These people are psychopaths. They would have done it if they thought it would have helped them, but they didn't think it would help them. So they, they didn't do it. Kind of like how they said, you know, six feet social distancing was a nice psychological medium where any less than that. And people would go, have to say, three feet. away you think three feet is going to make a difference? Three feet's not going to make a difference. What are you talking about? That there's no way. But if you said twelve feet, they would have said, "Well, that's it's impossible." I can't say twelve feet away from everybody. So they found out that six feet—no scientific basis whatsoever. There was no calculus as to how far can people stay away from one another safely in the spread of disease. That that wasn't the the calculus they were running with. It was about psychological pressure. How much pressure is enough? How much pressure is too much? everything in covid was about this so again this this revelation that they actually considered forcing everybody in the uk to kill their own cats this was just one of those psychological operations that they came out at the end of it going yeah it would have been too much it would have had more negative effects than positive so we're not going to do it but you know if again if they thought it would have helped if they thought that forcing you to murder your own cat would have made you more of an adherent to the COVID cult. They would have done it. They would have done it. These people are psychopaths. they're, they're heartless. I mean, they they made, uh, you know, husbands stand on the other side of a wall while their wife of 50 years, you know, died in a hotel room or in a hospital room um, off this basis. So you know th- there's no length to which they will not go. There's no mercy they're willing to offer to uh, anybody. There's no humanity in these decisions. There's just a a cold scientific calculation of how to best move the the public in the direction that you want through abuse and manipulation and lies and deceit, and uh, it goes on and on. You have to wonder if they're pushing too far with this Swiss thing. Again, I I just touched on this article, but it's – It is pretty wild. Swiss families facing eviction from private residents as state governments struggle to fill refugee distribution quotas. Governments struggle to meet refugee distribution quotas. What type of sentence is that? There's quotas for refugee distribution. So there's actually quotas in Switzerland of all places, which is one of the few places that has not gone all in on the migrant crisis. Unlike the UK and France and Germany, the Swiss actually have a modicum of restraint when it comes to totally open borders. But even in Switzerland, you have residents who have lived at their houses for 15 years being given an eviction notice so some Afghan family can move in. This is suicidal. I mean it's it's national suicide. The state governments are like, we don't even have room for these people, so we're having to kick out our own citizens out of their homes to make room for them to meet some totally arbitrary quota figure imposed on the country by foreign powers? Like, So you're just participating in your own invasion. It's literally what's happening. They're participating in active participants in the invasion of their own country to the Absolute detriment of every one of their citizens. It's just happening. They're just doing it. going to Ladies badly. and
0: gentlemen, Infowars has proven itself the last twenty-eight years to be over the globalist target and having the biggest effect out there against those tyrants. And we fund our operation with viewers and listeners' support while selling you great products at the same time. So I want to thank all the viewers and listeners who've supported us over the years by spreading the word praying for the broadcast and buying product but i really want to encourage those of you that have been on the fence have never actually gone to infowarsstore.com to go there and get the great books and films and supplements and survival gear that's there that won't just empower you and enrich your life but again will keep this broadcast transmitting so whether it's real red pill plus or our super high quality cbd oil or the 50 percent off or our great physio magnesium product or whether it's down and out, our great sleep bavers back in stock, it's all there. Our turmeric, 95% humanoid, strongest out there, turmeric 95. It's all available at InfowarStore.com and it keeps us on the air. So make the decision to enrich your life and keep us on air, InfoWorksTore.com. I have been in a 28-year marathon battle with a globalist. I have come from nowhere to the very heights of politics, not just in America, but in the world. We are engaging the globalists at point blank range in the information war. But I don't deserve the credit. Yes, I've persevered. But the listeners and viewers who support InfoWars are the real reason you've had this success. We're having now the greatest victories in the fight against the new World order we've ever had. We are now entering the final mile of the marathon. And that's why. Today, it's more important than ever to realize how important you've been in this fight and to continue in the efforts you've been carrying out and to intensify them. God bless you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and this history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all.
2: You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
3: back, folks. This is the American Journal. Infowars.com. Infowarsstore.com is how you support us. We're going to talk about something that um, is increasing across the, the Western world. Again, the, the globalists kind of have a, a sweet little setup where they, they operate in the shadows. What we need is a term for it. It'd have to be something like um, shadowocracy or something, right? Rule by the shadows, rules, rule by deceit, rule by unseen forces. It's really the worst of all possibilities, right? In the realm of human existence, you have various forms of governmental organization, and what we're moving towards is one that's similar to feudalism, sort of a neo-feudalism, where the people at the top are—they appoint themselves, they appoint each other. They're totally outside of their the own law, their own laws that they pass and impose on the people underneath them. They're not subject to those laws. They're also not subject to approval by the people over whom they are uh, ruling. But see that. Feudalism originally was sort of tempered by the fact that the nobles themselves had this noblesse oblige, right? The, the obligation of the nobles, they were out front. They were figureheads. They had to stand there and go, I am the king. I am the one who decided this. It is me. So now we have all of the tyranny and the imposition of rules and, and regulations from an unaccountable class of nobles but we don't know who they are and they don't have the need to justify anything they say and there's no fear of like a peasant uprising because peasants wouldn't even know who to uprise against like there's nobody taking credit for anything that's happening so it's all done in the shadows it's all done in secrecy so it's sort of the worst of both worlds in a lot of ways I'm going will show you a video now that shows how this is happening and it's also a decentralization of the control system to where you don't have just a government doing things. The corporations are foot soldiers of the New World Order. They're coerced into doing this by the investment companies having things like ESG that force companies to do this. And again, none of it makes any logical sense. like you know there's a there's a law and I don't even necessarily agree, agree with it. But, you know, there are laws that say that a company has to try – like it has to make decisions that will give their investors the best return on investment. It's just a law. It's just a rule. It was actually – I think it was like Ford versus Dodge I think was the original Supreme Court case that's, that settled it where essentially Ford was um, – instead of giving – you know, all of their profit is as dividends to their stockholders. They were actually like paying high wages and reinvesting the money back into the business. And it was cutting into the profits of the shareholders. And so they had to, yeah, here it is, uh, Dodge versus Ford Motor Company, a case in which the Michigan Supreme Court held that Henry Ford had to operate the Ford Motor Company in the interest of shareholders rather than in a charitable manner for the benefit of his employees or customers. I'm against this in general, I think. I personally think every company should be an a absolute monarchy in a lot of ways. you should have one person that, that runs it and they are uh, – they can do with it whatever the hell they want. So I'm not, even, I'm not even in favor of this, but this is basically established law at this point. And so how can you have companies like Adidas just axing 25 percent of their profits over virtue signaling about Kanye West? Because he said DEFCON three on Jews. Remember that's what it was all about. He didn't actually say anything. It's the weirdest thing ever. But like what where's the where is the mass lawsuit against them from their shareholders? Going, what the hell? You just cut out a quarter of your yearly profit for no reason other than the virtue signal? What the hell's going on here? And it happens across the board. So, like ESG, these types of things, they don't even comport themselves with the laws that we have. They should be illegal, unless you want to change the rule where you know profit is no longer the motivating factor. In which case, you know, it's, that's a hundred years of capitalism out the window. You got to change it up. But again, they just do it. It's not, it's not legal, but they do it anyway. It's not moral. They do it anyway. Um, so they have this mass array of both corporations and the banks pushing the corporations to do certain things. Even if the companies don't want to, they'll be cut off from the funnel of money if they you know, go against it. But on top of that, you have a layer of NGOs. You've got a layer of non-governmental organizations where you know, these same people are funneling billions of dollars towards people who just spend all day, every day working to progress a leftist agenda. And integrate themselves into our existing institutions like education uh like you know law enforcement DAs prosecutors like we're just we're confronted by a massive conglomeration of these activists and they're all working hand in hand together and it's very convenient for them because when one group gets called out for it then go well that wasn't us that was our partner group that we're working with in this case it's the FBI and the SPLC Merrick Garland was questioned about this on uh on the floor of the uh, Senate by Josh Hawley, or on the floor of the Congress by uh, Josh Hawley. Now let's go to that video now and see again how this, how this works in practice, how the FBI sort of has a, a win-win situation where they do what the SPLC says. They're partners with the SPLC and the ADL, which are, you know, leftist activist groups. They, they're partnered with them. They do what they say. And then when there's pushback, they go, well, that wasn't us. That was our partner. So they avoid any uh, oversight or you know, intervention to stop them from working on behalf of one political party and against another. So let's go to this uh, video now. Here's uh, Josh Hawley questioning Merrick Garland.
5: I notice a pattern, though. The FBI field office in Richmond on the 23rd of January of this year issued a memorandum in which they advocated for, and I quote, the exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development – Against traditionalist Catholics, it's their, their language, including those who favor the Latin Mass. Attorney General, are you cultivating sources and spies in Latin Mass parishes and other Catholic parishes around the country?
6: No, the Justice Department does not do that. It does not um, um, do investigations based on religion. I saw the document you have. It's you do appalling. About it? It's appalling. I'm in complete agreement with you. I understand that the FBI has withdrawn it, and it's now looking into how this could ever have happened. How did it happen? That's what they're looking into. But I'm totally in agreement with you. That document is appalling.
5: I'll tell you how it happened. The This memorandum, which is supposed to be intelligent, cites extensively the Southern Poverty Law Center, which goes on to identify all of these different Catholics— as being part of hate groups. Is is this how the FBI, under your direction and leadership, is, is this how they do their intelligence work? They look they look at left wing advocacy groups to target Catholics? Is this what's going on? I mean clearly it is. How is this happening?
6: The FBI is not targeting Catholics and and as I've said, this is an Uh, an inappropriate memorandum, and it doesn't reflect the methods that the FBI is supposed to be using, should not be relying on any single organization without doing its own work.
5: Let me just ask you, as my time expires here, a very direct question. How many informants do you have in Catholic churches across America?
6: I don't know. And I don't believe we have any informants aimed at Catholic churches. We have a rule against uh, investigations based on First Amendment um, activity and uh, uh, catholic churches are obviously first amendment well but i don't know the specific
5: answer to you you don't know the specifics of anything it seems but apparently on your watch this justice department is targeting catholics targeting people of faith specifically for their faith views
3: and again the other you know aspect of this that is so beneficial to the tyrants is that they do it in every country all at once and then the citizens of that country can only work through the national uh, you know, process of trying to stop this from happening. But we have videos today of uh, cops arresting a pastor, banging on his door in the morning and, uh, and, arrest- and um, arresting him for having protested a drag queen story time. You've got the woman who was arrested in the UK for praying in her head quietly, silently outside of an abortion clinic. And, of course, everything Merrick Garland mm-hmm. said – Uh, It's just a ridiculous lie. There's headlines from all the way back in 2018, FBI Southern Poverty Law Center partnership alarms conservatives. As of Monday, they say uh, the SPLC was still listed as a partner on the FBI's hate crimes webpage along with organizations such as the Anti-Defamation League, Human Rights Campaign, NAACP, National Center Center for Transgender Equity, National Gay and Lesbian Task Force, and National Organization for Women. So you've got all these far-left activist groups. Partnering with the FBI, instructing them on who to target. The ADL even brags back in 2014. Quote, did you know ADL trains every new FBI agent on their role as protectors of the American people and their constitution? So they're training the
0: FBI. I've got some good news. Our high quality supplements really work, and we have about an 80% reorder rate with customers. That's the good news. They're amazing. The bad news is around 1% or a little less of our actual viewers and listeners ever go to Infowarstore.com and ever actually buy the products. So you're missing out on these products, plus it funds the Infowar. Think of what we've done with just 1% of our massive audience actually buying products. Think of what would happen if those of you on the fence... Actually, went to InfowarStore.com and got some of these amazing products. I would recommend Tumoric 95 for your joints, your bones, inflammation to get one of the biggest effects so you reorder it and see how great it is. Also, we've got the super high quality full spectrum CBD oil that's so good for your neurological systems, your brain, your joints, your bones as well. Or Real Red Pill Plus. Just go try the product, fund the Infowar, and help us defeat the new order together. Infowarstore.com.
2: You're tuned in to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith.
3: All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the second hour of American Journal. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. Very glad to be with you here today and very glad to welcome my guest, Andrew McCarthy, He's an Air Force veteran and an active member of the intelligence community. Andrew believes in America First policies and is speaking up for Americans against corrupt politics in D.C. He can be found on Twitter at amccarthyny. That's amccarthyny. And you got you to gotta remember that handle because uh, Google does not point you towards Andrew McCarthy's Twitter, probably for obvious reasons. It might have to do with that America First in his bio. Thanks you, thank you so much for uh, coming on, Andrew.
7: Yeah, it's, thanks for having me, Harrison. It's not an extensive bio, but it sort of tells the whole story.
3: It's uh, it's everything I need to know. So, you have a lot of experience, obviously, in politics and just about the corruption in D.C. There's there's so many places we could go here, but I want to talk to you especially about 2024 and what candidates can do coming up. What you think the the best play is for getting the best America first? Uh, politicians into office uh, these days. What's your general outlook on the political landscape these days?
7: Well, you know, I try to punch towards the left generally, but uh, I don't always take it that far because there's a lot of garbage, a lot of trash we need to take out within the Republican Party. Uh, Sort of notorious for that, whether it's rhinos uh, that I've primaried or, um, you know, going after Kevin McCarthy very publicly. So, uh, I think it starts there. Uh, we could talk policy solutions and we could talk sort of personnel, but I, I think it start, sort of starts with the cult of Kevin McCarthy and, you know, why exactly uh, we stopped rallying necessarily. I don't, I'm not saying rally against him, but why we all got behind him. Uh, it's, it's hard to put a finger on Kevin McCarthy's ideology. I think you just got to kind of ask yourself, how does Kevin McCarthy make you feel and to me, it's sort of cringy and awkward. It's a very effeminate person to have as a leader. And, um, you know, when, when someone has a good reaction to Kevin McCarthy, I think that's a red flag. So it all starts with leadership. Um, I look around leadership in the Republican Party, people like Elise Stefanik. I, again, the, the same kind of vibe here. It's, it's that uh, like I got called into the vice principal's office for misbehaving in seventh <laughs> period. Uh, so, so I'm getting a lot of weak vibes from the leadership. Uh, I think that needs to change, and really, like when we start to feel about you know what what is a good leader, what what do I want in, in exchange of that? I look for someone that sacrificed something, someone that you know, like a Matt Gates uh, would be great in leadership. He really put his ass on the line, and I think it paid off for America First as a whole. Um, so it it's, it really starts at the top and. You know, when it bleeds into policy, I think they hit us with a lot of shiny objects instead of actual policy solutions. Uh, for one, like the the Hunter Biden laptop, it, is that we're, we're creating subcommittees over this stuff? Is the Hunter Biden laptop going to solve the southern border or the China issue? Or so many questions that we have here. And obviously, the answer is no. Uh, do rich family show? Of course, they do. Uh, but, you know, I, I just don't know if that's the focus that the Republicans should have right now. So to answer your initial question, after sort of summarizing the party as a whole, I would say if you're in uh, 2024, if you're in the mood to run, keep leadership at arm's length, focus on local issues. I'm a big proponent of localism. And then, um, you know, let's talk about things that matter. The southern border is the biggest issue in the country right now. The crime, if you're in a suburban area or a city, I mean, cities. I'm sorry, it's over for cities. Uh, and then, you know, the, China is sort of a catch-all. I like I like reverting to that on the campaign trail, or where I'm helping other people run or craft policy. China affects every facet of our life, and it, it might sound like I'm beating like the drum that everyone else is left, right, and center, but it really is uh, everything. It's cracked up to be. So that's sort of my synopsis up front, and. Uh, what I would offer, you know, someone hopping into the 2024 uh, race.
3: Well, it's a great overview. So we'll dig down into, you know, s- some of that answer on the other side, how we break ourselves out of uh, business as usual, which seems like what Kevin McCarthy is uh, suggesting, which we know business as usual means our total collapse, corruption and decline. So let's not have business as usual anymore. We'll be right back with Andrew McCarthy. Don't go anywhere.
2: Putting the power of conversation into the caller's hands, you're tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith.
3: All right. Welcome back, folks. The second hour of American Journal has begun. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. With me is Andrew McCarthy. He's a political pundit. You can be found on Twitter at McCarthy n y is his account on Twitter. Posts a ton of great stuff. Very active on there. We're talking about sort of uh, politics in general, and you, you laid out a great sort of groundwork of where we are now and, and what we can do moving forward. When it comes to Kevin McCarthy, I mean he's just a symptom of a larger problem, isn't he? I mean he, he sort of represents business as usual at, of the uh, compromises that America First candidates are willing to take to try to get a little bit of power. Well, meanwhile, we're just being steamrolled continuously by the left. Is this an opportunity for – because I sense an opportunity to really – Elaborate on or identify the real division in this country, which is between the Uniparty at the top and everybody else. Right now you've got libertarians and socialists teaming up to oppose the war in Ukraine, and those pushing for the war in Ukraine are the the Bidens and the McCarthy's. It's the the Nancy Pelosi's and the Mitch McConnell. So I mean the division's never been more clear who's against who. I mean, is this an opportunity to seize on that and and try to represent the people's will over the uniparty in washington
7: well that's exactly right kevin mccarthy let's let's just cut to the chase as a globalist so his um priorities are for big business big pharma corporate interests it's the same old same old that came up under paul ryan you know kevin mccarthy is one of the reasons that when when people look to the trump administration one of the big takeaways that they can kind of uh, that comes to mind is tax cuts rather than like really controlling the border or uh, taking a hard line with some of our adversaries or doling out this money internationally and bailing out countries that don't want our best interests uh, in mind. So, yeah, I think I think um, if, you, if I were a candidate and you used to see this on the left before they sort of galvanized, I thought they had a great showing uh, the Democrats. Uh, when they were the, the during the speaker's vote, they they were really unified and they said, hey, we are we are entirely the, the party of globalism. We are. And, you know, it's all the things that we hate, but at least they're they're strongly unified. I think an opportunity in that fissure that you were describing does exist for someone to call out from the right or the left to call it the uniparty and say, uh, yeah, I'm running as more of a populist nationalist, not really so much uh you know, um, you know, standing up for the Constitution and all this stuff. No, we need we need a change in times need, need, means we need a strong person in there, uh, some law and order, a candidate that's actually going to say, you know what, uh, this scenario hasn't really benefited us. The NAFTA of the last forty years, the uh, the globalism, the uh, the woke stuff that's that's coming down the pike. It's all bundled up in the same basket. So, uh, for someone to walk in and say enough is enough. And I want, you know, what, you know, a normal pe- person that you'd run into on the street, the bar, the church, what they want, not what corporate interest is requesting, not what big pharma is shoving down our throat, and certainly not what um, the the multinationals have in mind for uh, really reshaping our tradition, reshaping our value structure.
3: So how did we get stuck with Kevin McCarthy? Think, again, it's not all about him, but it is it is a symptom, and everybody's aware of this, you know, I I rarely go to like sort of more con-inc events, conservative incorporated events, but I I was sort of blown away. I went to a TPUSA event uh, earlier this year at the end of last year, and I didn't hear a lot of talk about tax cuts. I didn't hear a lot of talk about typical what you would consider Republican talking points from 10 years ago. I heard a lot of we have to defeat Klaus Schwab in the New World Order. We have to stand up against the World Economic Forum. I mean the people seem to understand this. How do we extricate ourselves from the control of people like Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and Kevin McCarthy, who are just the worst? I mean, how do we do it other than because we got some great people elected? A lot of them folded and went over to Kevin McCarthy. And it's like, how do you do this? You know, what is the process of, of getting there? Because right now we're so far from the goal. It's almost like, how do, we even, how do we even identify the goal in the first place and then pursue it, you know, after? What would be step one in your opinion?
7: Well, like you said, personnel is policy, and a lot of people did let us down. I'm not going to go out there and name names. I, I think I've hit a, a couple of them very hard, but um, there are some great candidates that plan on running uh, in 2024. Joe Kent's going to run again. I think he has a great shot. We'd love to see Anthony Sabatini throw his hat in there. I think there's some redistricting that provides an opening in the great state of Florida for him. Um and it's all, unfortunately, what, you know what you were describing is self-preservation. So there might be a conversation from a groundswell, a grassroots perspective of what their, what's in their basket of policies. But as soon as you take that to Washington, you know Kevin McCarthy uh, is beholden to his donors. So they like to, like I said, show you a shiny object like the Hunter Biden laptop, which again doesn't really affect Main Street. It's not going to close the southern border. It's not going to take care of any of the challenges in our communities. Um, But it makes them look like, it makes them appear like they're doing something. So those two years go by really quickly. It's really only one year of policy and a next year of campaigning. Uh, If you can bring home a couple wins and some pork to the district, you know, then you're not really on the line and, and this isn't an off year. This is a, a uh this isn't a year that's gonna be full of primaries. That'd be looking more towards twenty twenty-six, but I think it really is personnel. I know Gates is asking for reinforcements in DC. Uh we love Lauren Boebert, but there's gonna we're gonna need to have more than just that contingent right there. And you, you saw the 20 that we're holding out of McCarthy started to domino effect to drop like flies. So we're gonna need people that really uh can build a caucus that can be a little stronger than maybe um, the Freedom Caucus and, and, and create some, some strong policy that resonates with the American people. And you're starting to see it like towards the center, like you mentioned, uh, the, the unit party is starting to feel the effects of this because when they double down on some of this stuff, it means they're scared. And I think some of the stuff that is coming from the far right and sometimes even the far left um, is making them apprehensive, a little nervous. So I, I think it starts with getting the right people in there, And then letting the leaders in place from our side uh, caucus appropriate.
3: I think you're right, and I think it also has to do with uh, we need to stop playing defense. We need to stop reacting to what the left is doing, and I think that's the. I think a lot of us have that idea in mind. Like we're sick of of always reacting. We're sick of always, you know, being on the back foot. We want somebody to aggressively take on the left and. you know, make them respond to our proposals rather than the other way around. And I guess it's just a matter of uh, public messaging is a lot of it, I think, because Republicans like don't know how to sell their vision for the future. I I just watched, we just watched in the last segment, uh, this video of Merrick Garland uh, responding to the SBLC telling the FBI that Catholics were a dangerous terrorist group. And, you know, they acted very outraged at this. But then we read, An article from 2018 so five years ago you've got people like matt gates complaining about the spLC working with the fbi that was five years ago nothing's happened about it it's still going on so like we can't get anything done because you know we go hey the fbi is working with the spLC that's not right and suddenly they're like you know putting your son in a dress and you're like well i have to deal with this now right so it's like we how do we get on the attack andrew is what i'm asking
7: Yes. Yeah, you're talking about whack-a-mole right there. And the perf- the person that actually perfectly bundled all this stuff up when he came down the escalator in 2015 was Donald Trump. Right. He was saying things that um, sort of in a complex system perspective, all connected, but he, he was able to um, categorize them individually that made it easy enough for the voter to say, that's my guy. Uh, that's exactly what my problems are. Uh, globalism is my problem. I don't know how to explain globalism if if you're the average voter, but I know that the jobs are gone. I know Mm -hmm. that inflation's, I know that, um, I know that we're, that, that things don't seem to be, uh, you know, even things don't seem to be even with China. It seems like they're, they're eating our lunch. So, uh, people understood that. And, you know, like I said, you got guys that rally day in and day out, like, uh, like Gates does. And if I had a dollar for every issue that he brought to the floor that wasn't covered, uh, then I'd be a rich guy. But it, it's going to take um, appropriate delegation for the, the right uh, committees to, to hit all these issues. I think it was also Gates that said every single committee should have uh, oversight, investigative uh, capabilities. So if that was the, the case, we'd have a different country. But, you know, syncing up whoever the next president is, hopefully it's Donald Trump. We need to be in lockstep uh, in terms of these issues so that we aren't uh, playing whack-a-mole.
3: Yeah, and so we aren't having to battle our own side in addition to the radical left. We'll be back on the other side. Andrew McCarthy at a McCarthy NY on Twitter. We'll be right back to talk more about what we can do to take over once again, actually set this country on the right course.
0: Humanity is in a fight for its very life. And Infowars for decades has been at the very forefront of the fight for a pro-human future. We can't stay on air without your help. And I want to thank you all for your past support. And I want to encourage those of you that have never bought products at InfoWarsStore.com to go there and experience how amazing these products really are. Ultimate Bone Broth, finally, sold out for over two years, back in stock. Real Red Pill Plus, simply amazing. Nitric boosts what it does for your heart, your cardiovascular critical all these products like ultimate krill oil ultimate fish oil super mill vitality they're all available and in stock ready to ship to you right now at infoWarsStore.com. and the final 1200 signed copies of my book the great reset and the War for the world and i'm not going to sign any more after that are exclusively available at infoWarsStore.com as well in the last month i got a little busy so i didn't sign the books so we didn't have them for sale but now i signed the last books you can get them right now So the chemicals that we ingest and and all the things that we try to bring into our bodies to to, to change who we are are only lowering us. They're only making us more depressed.
2: You're listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
3: All right, welcome back, folks. Andrew McCarthy is my guest. We're talking about uh, politics in general. How, I guess, one question, Andrew, is is there an electoral solution to this? It, it almost feels like. When you're talking about politics, you're talking about a rigged game here. It, I'm becoming less and less faithful that we can actually make a positive change through the electoral process. I don't know what the alternative would be other than – well, I just I don't know. I don't know what the alternative would be. So, I mean, is it – are politics even a viable function of change in this society, for, you know, change for the better rather than change for the worse? Uh, and if not, what, what else are we going to do?
7: Look, I'll revert right back to what the example I gave you before, and we could go uh, district for district down the line uh, through the hundreds of congressional districts in the country and talk about every single race. And you're right, it would start to feel like a black pill. But if we can bring back the 2015-2016 energy that surrounded Donald Trump and galvanize and, you know, you have problems like the DeSantis issue, Nikki Haley and, and all these, uh, these uniparty leftists frankly, that are coming in from the center and saying, no, we need to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, We need to get the soccer mom vote. No, 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 no. Donald Trump needs to go back to vintage form, package up what the country needs and deliver. I think this is, remember, we're talking about a Republican party. He needs to go further right than all of these people and let people know that, you know, I'm not going to change. I'm still Donald Trump. Uh, Times were better under the first era of Donald Trump. The economy skyrocketed. Uh, you know I forget forget the stock market, forget Wall Street. Main Street did better than it ever has before. If you want to talk about expanding the party African American unemployment was lower than it was ever so just real out you know start start naming statistics in the Trump uh, branding in the Trump uh, mannerisms and messaging, and I think we have a winning solution. but you know you ask, is there a legislative solution? Right now, we need a strong man. I can't be any clearer about that. Sometimes you need someone with um, stronger, a stronger approach to the executive to lever- to leverage the administrative state, to leverage the power of the executive and push it down people's throats. So Trump should run a certain way and he should... Um, he should operate differently once he's in office. And, and I think we need to go super dark MAGA once he's in, but in the meantime, it's, it's about hammering DeSantis for everything, uh, that he can't deliver. And, you know, the, the questions that still remain on, on his handling of certain issues and where his money comes from. I think that's really important, uh, who he's stood up for, who he's stood up against. Uh, I think, I think that's all extremely important to discuss on the campaign trail and really separating the two things. You know, I think DeSantis wants to play a game where he makes him and Trump a lot alike, but the messaging is different. I think Trump needs to say, no, these are two entirely different things. Um, You're dealing with someone that was on the Hill for a long time that has a big resume to hit. And I think Donald Trump could do that. But, you know, I don't think our solutions are going to come from Congress. Unfortunately, I think they're going to come from the executive. And if things go even worse and we get whoever the left has to offer, I don't see them unless it's a dark horse candidate waltzing in and stealing the 2024 election. I really don't, I don't see that happening. Um, then we need to, we need to focus on how to get Donald Trump back in office.
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think any Republican lining themselves against Trump right now is, um, sort of a traitor to the cause. I mean, Donald Trump is, he's the only one I, I can remember in my lifetime that made things better and actually did so by sacrificing his own uh, well-being, life, and wealth to do it and uh, to to try to oppose him in any way rather than contribute to him. Uh, it's just a, it's a losing suggestion. I mean, it would be amazing if we had Ron DeSantis in Florida holding down that state while doing everything he could to work for Donald Trump I mean that's a winning solution not these guys trying to tear each other down I guess the only silver lining would be if they try to one up each other in how far right they are <laughs> and maybe we could see a positive right. outcome but we're not going to see that I don't think
7: No and, and and DeSantis would do whatever he has to do and then you'll see a different version when he gets in you know I I I think he's a great governor I I love what Florida's been able to accomplish under Ron DeSantis but you know, when I go to the Corps, and I would stick by this a few years if the tables are, have turned, but who would I rather literally go to war for, or which administration would I, would I rather work in? I don't think I would even uh, entertain the fact of working for Ron DeSantis. I think uh, you'd get the type of personnel that would re- be reminiscent of the— uh, like the like the bush years or or something very um you know kind of cringe and 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 neocon so i'm not a huge fan of that whereas it'd be an honor to to really rev up the engines again and get get things in in line with with the trump administration so i think that's what it is is like how does this person make you feel? And if we can evoke that within voters in the primaries, especially early on, a primary trail, by the way, state by state, that favors Donald Trump. If, if we take a look at the map, you know, we're we're talking about Heartland America. Um, you know, DeSantis doesn't really see an opening until he gets down to Florida, maybe some of the southern states. But um, the map favors Trump. I think the vibe on the ground favors favors Trump. The the track records on a on a policy basis favored Trump, and he's. <laughs> And let's be honest here, uh, when he's in the ring, he's, he's untouchable. So if he's even 75% of what he used to be, uh, I think the voters will make, uh, make the right decision.
3: You know, it's funny seeing people that supported Trump from 2016 uh, on now going, uh, oh, he retweeted this very distasteful meme about DeSantis. And this is not very – and it's like, do you not remember 2016? Like this is what the dude does. This is Trump on the war, on the war path. Like that's – this is what we love about him. They, they've all become Democrats all of a sudden. It's very it's very bizarre. It's very strange. Uh, I don't think he needs to ratchet down his rhetoric at all. I think he needs to ratchet it up, uh, if anything. I, I, I totally agree – Uh, with all of that. And again, you know, it goes into, I I feel like I, and I don't know if if you've gone through this process, I feel like a lot of people are, you know, I used to be very libertarian over the years. I've sort of gotten less libertarian. I still consider myself libertarian because liberty is my highest value, but how we get there, I think it's changed and again just going back to you know this report about the FBI you know the FBI as partners have the SPLC the ADL the human rights campaign the NAACP the National Center for Transgender Equity the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force the National Organization for Women it's like you're not just you can't the left learned I guess you got to take these institutions over that's what they're doing we're way behind on that but we can't just ignore this any longer can we?
7: Yeah, no, a couple of things I mentioned earlier was leveraging the power of the executive. It could really be um, the most powerful branch. And I think people kind of knee-jerk reaction know that, but uh, it's how you delegate because there's, you don't have the bandwidth to do all these things. So the administrative state, sort of the fourth shadow state there, fourth uh, uh, shadow branch there um, is extremely important. All of those uh, entities that you named, including the the concerning there was a task force there that was a, that sounded a little intimidating yeah. uh but but all of those need to uh get funding from somewhere so you know you can work with congress to to nip that but but people can still move money around so you need you need put, to put people in power within all of these three-letter agencies any of the executive branch agencies that have uh, a really good understanding of the legal process uh the budgetary process and how all these agencies work together, and, and um, that's easier said than done. I think I think Trump learned that a little late in the game in the first administration. I remember the uh, the transition was full of people that were concerning. So we'll yeah. see how that goes. But it's got to be a full blown war on the administrative state.
3: But I think I think you're right. I think uh, Trump is the is the best hope we have. We'll, we'll pick it up on the other side with Andrew McCarthy and uh, really dig into some of the policies that could be pursued and effective here.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, InfoWars has proven itself the last 28 years to be over the globalist target and having the biggest effect out there against those tyrants. And we fund our operation with viewers and listeners' support while selling you great products at the same time. So I want to thank all the viewers and listeners who have supported us over the years by spreading the word, praying for the broadcast, and buying product. But I really want to encourage those of you that have been on the fence have never actually gone to InfoWarsStore.com to go there And get the great books and films and supplements and survival gear that's there. That won't just empower you and enrich your life, but again, we'll keep this broadcast transmitting. So whether it's real red pill plus or our super high quality CBD oil or the 50% off or our great physio magnesium product or whether it's down and out, our great sleep bay that's back in stock, it's all there. Our turmeric 95% cumanoid, strongest out there, turmeric 95. It's all available at InfoWarStore.com and it keeps us on the air. So make the decision to enrich your life and keep us on air, InfoWarStore.com. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today.
2: You're tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now
3: at Band.Video. Right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My guest is Andrew McCarthy. You can be found on Twitter at a McCarthy Talking about America First policies and how we recapture this once uh, great country from the hands of the globalists. Now, on the topic of Trump, I can I can hear my audience now. The vaccine, he but he but he loves the vaccine though, Andrew. And so you know we've covered all of his policy proposals. He comes out with. He's come out with a bunch recently, whether it's opposing globalism, going to war with the cartels, uh, wanting to sue progressive DAs if you're a victim of a crime by some committed by somebody that they let out early. I mean all of these things are amazing. Every policy he comes out with is completely – it's what the doctor orders. I mean it's what we need to cure ourselves. But the vaccine, people are so hung up on the vaccine and have abandoned Trump because of the vaccine. What's your take on his vaccine stance?
7: Look. Trump's a boomer, uh, first and foremost. It was an interesting time uh, during his presidency. It was the tail end. We were in the middle of a campaign. You need to make you need to make a hard decision in a very complex environment. And I'm going to say this: Donald Trump, since he was he made his billions by by running these businesses, uh, not because he has the bandwidth to do make all the small decisions, but because he's the delegator. And when he was the president, he was the delegator in chief. You need to put people around you that make wise decisions. And Trump's decision makers, probably more so than him, because Trump has a great gut. His instinct is, is as good as anyone that I'd, like I said, would, would, would go to war with or go to battle with it. You know, he, he just reminds me of someone that sort of understands the zeitgeist. But he missed on this one. He knows that it was more than likely, you know, you have the you had the the, the Kushner's around him. I think the Steve Mnuchin's, the Kushner's, the Ryan's, Previses of the world won't be in Trump 2.0. I don't think we need to worry about that at all. Uh, so this this was a gut decision that I think, you know, uh, he would he that he wanted to make uh, and unfortunately was advised against. And look, you have the entire international community that was rallying around um, the opposite of where he wanted to go with this. And, he, and and not to mention that, you know, decisions leading up to that point were really good uh, during that climate. When I when we talk about the China ban, when we talk about a uh, ban on anyone coming into the country and, 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 you know, doling out money immediately, maybe not long term, but making sure that the economy stays on track. So he was he was setting the table for this to work in more of a free market uh, libertarian you know individually you know based way and i think globalism got the best of his administration and the decision making eventually swelled to the top and, and he had to pull the trigger look not defending the decision but people have to understand if you think that happens again we're dealing with a with a high iq individual that would you know you know get me once. It's, 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 it's your fault. Get me twice. It's, it's totally his. He understands that. Uh, and I, I don't think we have to worry about that in, in Trump 2.0, not, not to understate uh, the impact at all. But I, I, don't, I don't think he had much of a choice from his perspective, and he would have been nailed either way. It just affects, unfortunately, his base and, and all of us that, uh, that had to deal with that.
3: Yeah, I agree. Do you think he's learned his lesson? I hate to put it that way, but do you think that he has learned his lesson about delegation? Because, you know, this is the problem with the executive branch is it's staffed almost entirely by people who are anti-Trump that would just counterman his orders or just ignore them or make sure they failed. And has he learned his lesson? Are we going to see Jared Kushner running things again in his office? Like I haven't seen any statements of him from him that really fill me with confidence. Again, i I love Trump. I'm, I'm Trump trying 100 percent. But I still you know, I worry that he hasn't really learned his lesson yet. Do, do you think he has like do you think he's going to make those same staffing mistakes or do you think he's going to come in fully, you know, armed and ready to bear you, knowing what he's up against?
7: Well, the deep state's a real thing and it, it works both ways. Sometimes you have someone in a middle of lov- middle level management position that uh, works as a bridge between. Um, whether it's products that come in front of you know intelligence products that come in front of the the president's purview, whether it's analysis on something like COVID that we talked about, or it could just be personnel issues on a lower level, man- manning issues on a front, lo- front line level um, that these that these uh, people in in charge of branches need to deal with. Um, but I think he has made a statement, and it was right out of the gate before he even announces uh, or as he announced. Uh, as president or, or his campaign he said you know right off the bat Jared Kushner's not coming around for 2.0 and I'm you know he he's sort of the scapegoat the the um, the the definition of what we're talking like the personification of what we're talking about but there's a hundred Jared Kushner's the, right. the reality is um, so, so I think that was a strong statement right off the bat saying, you know, him and Ivanka aren't going to be around for the second run, uh, if that's any indicator. And I think, it, I think it was a deliberate indicator of what he wants to do. That was, that was his intention.
3: Yeah. I wonder, um, I wonder if he'll come out more strongly against that. And I wonder if he'll temper his vaccine rhetoric, uh, as we move, you know, more into the, um, into the primary and, and towards 2024. I mean, it almost feels silly that we're talking about 2024 this early in 2023, but it's going to be here faster than we know. Do you think anybody has a chance against him? I mean, DeSantis would be the the top one. Nikki Haley doesn't even have a million followers on uh, Twitter. Like, she's nobody. She's propped up by the establishment, but I don't think she has a chance in hell. I don't think Vivek ha- Vivek has a chance in hell. Is there anybody that can stop Trump? And if not. You know what's the what's the policy of you know how do we get more people behind Trump and how do we get the obstacles out of his way?
7: Yeah, you mentioned talking about the COVID situation. I think he's been better in terms of just staying away from it. Um, it's going to come down to persona. We're going to need some vintage Trump. Uh, the other candidates are great, frankly, because they force him to go right. They expose themselves for being moderates, for being uniparty uh, establishment people. In Nikki Haley's case, twenty years, uh, and and really, they they're great punching bags. There's enough policy to go around. I don't I don't think anyone's really worried about some of the people you mentioned, other than Desantis, because there's a big money aspect. There's there's a lot of money behind. It. There's over $100 million uh, cash on hand for Ron DeSantis and and some of these nonprofits that come in later for top cover on on ads and stuff like that. Unfortunately, that still affects uh, the demographic that votes in uh, Republican primaries, which is the boomer class. Um, and fortunate for Trump, that demographic still is, is loyal to him, I, I think. You hear a lot of these Cope things, and they're always like, There's never data behind these. These are always anecdotal when someone says, well, I I, I love Trump, but my wife doesn't really approve of his rhetoric, like these Yellowstone sort of memed Mm -hmm. uh, versions of what what people suppose the grassroots would be, or, 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 you know, you'll run into uh, someone that doesn't know that they're a neocon will tell you that. Uh, So they were never really on board with Trump to begin with. But look, we're talking about how to win a Republican primary. We're not talking about, um, I don't need to be concerned with these people after that, frankly. And and Donald Trump shouldn't govern accordingly. You know, these are the people that got him in in trouble. So he needs to go far right during the primary, just package it up in a way that that always is reminiscent of this is what I did for you before. We're going to do it again. We're going to make America great again, again. So uh, I think he just needs to bring back some of that nostalgia in the same messaging platform that he did in, in twenty sixteen and some of the same issues, look, we need to we need to finish off the border. Go after the Uniparty and the DeSantises of the world for not allowing him to do that. Hit some of these governors that that are too big for their britches that are that think they're gonna do something. Well they they're you know they're not hard on immigration. They're not hard on China. Uh, these are platitudes when you go when you when you have a soft Disney bill, when when Glenn Yunkin um, you know sort of changes up the you know, throws a bone here and there to being, to being hard on China. The only person that's done that is Donald Trump. He introduced the conversation that hasn't really been talked about during all of NAFTA that shelled out uh, our entire country. And he said, look, tariffs right off the bat, but we're going we're gonna to go hard on IP, we're going to go hard on uh, military, on on space, on cyber, on any dimension and any domain that you could think of, Donald Trump could, could talk about. And, and these people simply don't have that to their resume.
3: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And we'll, we'll get into on the other side sort of some of the cultural aspects of what's going on as well as um, the Ukraine war, which I think is a major one that should be a massive selling point for Donald Trump. The war no, would have never started under him, he, and he could probably stop it tomorrow. And uh, so could Biden actually for the, for that matter, but they don't want to. So to get somebody in office that actually wants to stop the war, how can he not vote for that guy? I think that's a great case. We'll, we'll try to make it on the other side. I'm a humble person,
0: and I want to say that I'm just a man, but I'm not just a man. Just like you, no matter what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, you were made by the creator of the universe, who had a plan for you, who has a destiny for you. That's why the system hates you and fears you, and that's why they hate me. It's because the spirit I carry is one of justice and truth and courage and honor and will and love. My friends, the enemy's coming after me, not because I'm a loser, but because I'm a winner. They're coming after you, not because you're a bad person, because you're a good person, because you love God and God loves you. And so I signed up for this. I signed up for this fight. And I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. But I can't fight this fight without you. That's why I want you to always remember that I appreciate you and I thank you because InfoWars is your fight. InfoWars is your baby. It's the thing you built. We did this together. So God bless you all. Let's keep fighting. Ladies and gentlemen, this book, The Great Reset and the War for the World, is a historic book that documents the globalists in their own words planned for our future that is a hellish future. Now you'll be always, while they still allow books, I guess they're starting to ban them, be able to get an unsigned copy of The Great Reset and the War for the World at bookstores, Amazon, or Infowarshore.com. But you will never be able to get another signed copy of the book after the signed copies we got
3: Right, welcome back, folks. I'm Harrison Smith, your host. My guest is Andrew McCarthy. You can follow him on Twitter at a That's a McCarthy on Twitter. You gotta you gotta type it exactly, or else Google will hide him from you. For good reason. He's an American, uh, America first political pundit who advocates for exactly what we advocate for, freeing ourselves from the globalist shackles. Uh, we're talking about sort of what needs needs to happen for 2024 to ensure uh, not just a Republican victory, but a Republican victory that matters and that can actually have effect. Uh, we, we we mentioned it in the last segment. We'll get into it in this one. But here's the headline from New York Times today: Biden challenged by softening public support for arming Ukraine. The war in Ukraine, major issue these days. Trump, you know, seems to be one of the only prominent uh, politicians actually suggesting that peace might be an option. Uh, how do you think the Ukraine war plays into the current political uh, atmosphere, and how could it be used for the advantage of Americans?
7: Well, that headline was a matter of time, right? Uh, I remember going back one year almost to the day when everything kicked off. Uh, I tweeted out, I said right off the bat, this is not our war. Let's not get caught up in in the smoke and mirrors and the minutiae and all of this. And MSNBC immediately did a hit piece on me, Tucker Carlson, and J.D. Vance for coming out against it. I think it's great company to be in, but um, that's looking back a year. And so much has transpired then in terms of the funding, in terms of uh, the, the flat-out lies, some of the psyops that goes to Kiev, and uh, all the tales that we've been told to get us as far as we are. Uh, it's globalism. Max, it's globalism to the max. So what you have the you have the uh, globalist finance involved in BlackRock now, but the reality is the American people aren't buying it, and now it's uh, inv- it, you know, it's it's intruding into the left. I think the center's done with it. Um, I, I, it, you know, popularity for for the war in Ukraine in the United States is at an all-time low, and frankly, it is across the world. Uh, if you look at countries that support quote unquote, the the, uh, war in Ukraine from the Ukrainian perspective. It's the United States, Canada, Australia, and and some European, uh, most European countries. Outside of that, I mean, you know, 75% of the world says we're staying out of this one. It doesn't really make sense for us. We've seen this playbook before. uh, And it's kind of like an Iraq war Mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, know, there's, it's, it's all the same indicators uh, are going off. And I think people are starting and and credit the American people uh, that they're coming Around in almost a year, right on the dot. It didn't take us, uh, thankfully, any American lives. Uh, it just took us a lot of money that could have been put back into uh, domestic American infrastructure. As we're seeing uh, a very, a very disillusioned frankly, sick uh, citizenry that we need to fix in a lot of ways, and we're taking the eye off the ball. But that's the point of globalism, is to take a look at everything but yourself and and, um, lacking that self-awareness as a nation, as a sovereign, to, to be introspective and analyze some of the flaws that we have domestically. Like I said, you have Janet Yellen. You're showing her right now. Our Treasury Secretary has no business in a foreign nation dealing with with any of this stuff. Uh, if they want to go to BlackRock, that's again the American taxpayers through their pensions or whatever else bailing out this country. So they're they're hitting us from every single angle. They're using actors to do it now. Sean Penn, Zelensky himself. This this whole thing is is an upfront psyop up on its face. So I'm not telling your viewers anything that they don't know. Uh, but in terms of popularity, I think the left is finally starting to, and they always come around late, right? Like Infowars is a couple years early and then you have normies that are, that kind of hit it within a year or so. And then the left a few years, a few years later, but I think popularity is at, at an all time low for this. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know to the extent what Donald Trump said about a uh, peace treaty, but I think it's pretty obvious that there are people even within Ukraine that, that, that agree with Vladimir Putin, especially in the territory that he's been able to take uh the territory that you know in a lot of people's opinion including those that live in crimea uh, and some of those regions that they're part of russia ukraine wasn't a thing until uh within the last century uh you it was always it was always part of a, a stronger russian empire so i'm not going to be a putin apologist but i'm going to be a realist about this entire situation and we're missing that realist foreign policy feel um, anywhere in Washington. I, I Left, right, and center people lined up for this because they knew it was a cash grab for them as well. everybodys It's a very lucrative deal. Everyone's making, whether you're a mouthpiece, whether you're a banker, whether you're a lobbyist, whether you're a sitting member, you're going to make money off Ukraine. And you can go and wash it there too. So I think it was a win-win for the most corrupt elite within the country that are mostly globalists.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And You know, to me, it really does seem like it. I mean, obviously, it's it's an information war, and uh, you know, I think it would behoove Trump to change the uh, way we talk about this because the way a lot of Americans understand it is, you either are with Ukraine and standing up against Big Bad Putin, or you love a a strongman tyrant coming in and uh, breaking the back of a poor independent country, Uh, and that's not the case at all. It needs to be. Reconfigured, so we understand peace is a possibility that you can have a peaceful resolution to this. That we are not blameless in all of this. I mean, I think once people understand what's actually happening there, and don't have this Harry Potter, Star Wars idea of of good guys versus bad guys that's happening, you know, maybe we can come to some you know understanding and and hopefully stop this just utterly senseless war, which you know is now not going as good as uh, they like to claim uh, that it is. Uh, we only have about two minutes left with you. Would you. Do you think Ukraine is like the biggest issue right now? What, what would you – if you were advising President Trump, what would be the number one issue that you would put forward and say hammer this? This is what you have to talk about. Make this the central point of your campaign and everything else will follow. Is there one topic that you would point to?
7: Well, we could go with China. We could go with law and order. We could go with Ukraine. But I'm going to go with the tried and true, my favorite Trump talking point. And it's so true, it's just the most important thing facing our sovereignty, facing the American people, it's the southern border and immigration. you got to handcuff those two issues and say, do you want a country or not? It's up to you. You put, you. you put it back on them, put the onus on the American citizen and say, it's up to you if you want to maintain a country. Right now, there's nothing too sovereign about America, whether it's from Individual level, you can come over here, get your license, get get all the identifying features of you don't you can vote. You you don't have to pay taxes. It's, It's just a free ride. And then from the from the highest level, we're paying for this. Right. So from a government to government level, you know, the black rocks of the world. Uh, the, the World Economic Forum and, and some people within our government actually are encouraging this. It's, it's weaponized immigration. You need to talk about it as a weapon, as a as an attack on the American individual, on a small business owner. Um, it's an insult to say Americans can't do the jobs. You know, erase all the old tropes uh, this, to say that we need legal or illegal immigration. Uh, frankly, I'm against I'm I'm, about, I'm I'm for cutting back about 90 percent of legal immigration, including H1Bs. And 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 it's a real insult to recent college graduates when you talk about uh, not be you know, we need we need these tech jobs to come over from India and South Korea and et cetera. Well, that's actually an insult to to us. And I think it, it, get, it gets back to what I said about a healthy American citizenry and that mindset of um, knowing that we can do this on our own. We need some of those world, post-World War II vibes of just being like, no, we, we got this, man. We're, we don't need to necessarily lead uh, from a global perspective. I think we need to lead at home right now. So mm-hmm. that starts with the border, and you can, you can build in all these spin off issues of, of real, what the real ailments are, what the real uh, illnesses are within America, and, and it starts there. And no one's better than that than, than Donald Trump.
3: Well, I knew I was going to agree with you uh, w- before we had you on, because again, I've, I've been a big follower, of, uh, follower, follower of yours, and have uh, really appreciated what you've had to say on the national scene, and of course. Once again, I could not agree with you more on on all these topics. I think, uh, really, if if we all you know get behind these common sense ideas, there is a victory ahead. If we're constantly sniping at each other and having to deal with the Kevin McCarthys and the Mitch McConnells of the world, we're going to be endlessly stuck in this quagmire while the leftists uh, speed past us and uh, continue to force their satanic will on the rest of us uh incredible stuff thank you so much for joining us andrew mccarthy everyone uh you can find him on twitter once again at a mccarthy ny that's a mccarthy ny on twitter uh go follow him learn how to save the world it's america first then the rest of them thank you so much for being with us andrew
7: thanks for having me guys
3: it's absolutely our pleasure and we'll have to do it again sometime soon uh folks that's going to uh end out our second hour. We'll be back in the third hour with Dale Comstock to talk about a lot of these uh, similar topics. But in the meantime, let me ask you, remind you, beg you, beseech you to go to InfoWarsStore.com. It's the only way that we stay on air. It's the only way that we get these great guests and have these wonderful conversations. We are a fully independent organization down to the individual. I am independent of InfoWars in a lot of ways. Nobody tells me what to say. We don't tell you what to say. And of course, today we have a lot of, uh, we have multiple guests, so we haven't been able to take calls, but usually the point of this show is to give you a voice. And you know what? If you disagree with us and, and can prove us wrong, we're going to change our stance because we want to be right, not consistent. We want to save the world, not our own egos. And if you s- enjoy that there's an outlet like that that gives us a voice, that gives you a voice, you got, you got to go to InfoWarsStore.com. It's the only way that we'll survive, it's the only way that we get funding. It keeps us free. It keeps us independent. It keeps us focused on the news and the facts when we know that the American people have our back by going to InfowarStore.com. InfowarStore.com. Go there now, get a fantastic supplement, and fight the globalists in the best way possible.
0: It's hard to believe that we're already going into March 2023. And the world is an insane place. World War Three has already started. Biden is a puppet and is dissolving our borders. There's mass censorship. James O'Keefe's been removed from Project Veritas. The list goes on and on of the bad things that are happening. But the good things that are happening is humanity is really accelerating its awakening. But those of us on the forefront are under more attack by the establishment than ever. That's why I'm counting on you to spread the word about the broadcast, to pray for the broadcast, and to keep the broadcast on the air by getting great products at InfoWarsStore.com. And whether it's a final signed copy, they're almost all sold out, Or the great reset in the world of the world, or Ultimate Bone Broth, finally back in stock after over two years, it's all available at InfoWarsStore.com. These are truly amazing products. So get your InfoWars products at InfoWarsStore.com and enrich your life while keeping the broadcast on the air. It is your decision on whether or not we stay on air, so please take action now at InfoWarsStore.